Welcome to Unleash Your Inner Goldilocks, How to Get It Just Right. Thank you so much for joining us for another insightful and interesting conversation with an amazing guest. Think about all the things you decide to do because your heart is in it, you're passionate about it, and you know you can make an impact. And with all the optimism and faith, you jump in and get started. But are you making sure you're getting it just right? Are you putting all the steps and guardrails in place so that your dream, your passion, your purpose is being pursued in a way that you're never going to get distracted from that down the road because you forgot a few ingredients. That is a conversation we're going to have today. And in the spirit of Goldilocks, we're going to have it from the perspective of how do you get your dream and your purposes just right? And to have this conversation with me is Bridget Dove, all the way from Great Britain. Bridget, welcome to the Goldilocks community. Hello. Thank you for having me. It's such an honor. We all go through life pursuing things that we naturally fell into and then end up coming back in later years to identify and work on our passion. You're in that stage. You're taking that journey yourself and you've learned through that process. Can you help us understand what got you to where you are and what got you started in helping people getting their purpose and their businesses just right? Yes, <laughs> I can indeed. I um, have reached a stage in life where I wanted to rethink and understand what I wanted to do next. Uh, and obviously in that process, you evaluate your own qualities and your strengths and your weaknesses even. Um, and I realized a big part of who I am is a nurturer. And I thought, hmm, that seemed to have nothing to do with what I'd done as a business career. And I looked back and I thought, well, I've enjoyed what I've done. I've worked in advertising and marketing. Um, I've enjoyed working with business. I've learned an awful lot from business. Um, and actually, um, you also learn quite a lot about how not to do things as well um, in, in the as, as you progress. Um, so when I put that all together, what I realized I wanted to do was um, to use a, an expression we have here, to not throw the baby out with the bathwater, to use what I already know, my business skills, all the marketing skills, and put it together in a business where I can share those skills with other people. And one of the things that I've been very aware of through my career is the amount of small businesses that start. And it, it's a very, very brave thing to do to, to start your own business. And you have passion and you dig deep and you have all that ability to energy and drive to keep it going. And actually, a lot of people don't realize that that's probably all that did get them off the ground. And then you get 18 months in and think, oh, no, I don't know what 
the other bits of the jigsaw are to make this work. So that's what I want to do now. I want to help nurture these businesses and provide them with the gaps in their knowledge to get them through because more fail than they should do. And it's probably just because they haven't got access to the right information. So I'm nurturing businesses now is um, my passion. And I, and I love helping making people get it right, just right, in fact. That is such an important thing to do, especially as the world is moving from an employment economy mm -hmm. to a gig economy. Even professionals who are subject matter experts have to figure out ways to pitch their skills and capabilities to companies that are looking for project-specific resources. They're not hiring forever. They're hiring for targeted outcome. And how do you, with all your skills as a subject matter expert, how are you going to apply for a project? How are you going to respond to an RFP? How are you going to manage your own business? And how are you going to negotiate? All of these elements come in on top of how do you manage your financials? Do you know, understand the financials? That is what I find singularly most people get stuck because we don't teach finance, whether in the UK or in the United States, we don't teach it. Talk to us about some of the things that you see to be prevalent. Yes, that in fact, you, you've hit the nail on the head there. The financials are um, the thing, the one thing I start talking about when I see a glazed look on people's faces, because again, you're absolutely right. It's not what people talk of and very much the culture in this country, and I'm sure it, it spreads globally as well, is you might have an interest or an understanding for the maybe the marketing, you've got a grasp of that. You understand you have to market your product. Um, but then you look and, and you just assume the money comes in and it's a very simple in most people's heads, an in-out process. But it's there's so much more to it than that. And the other thing people do, and I have seen, and I'm sure you have, very big businesses go under because they've just let the financial controller make all the decisions, probably right from his perspective, but they may not have had anything to do with your vision of the business. Um, and suddenly it, it isn't the business you wanted it to be, or, or there isn't the cash flow you need um, to move it forward. So I would say to anybody, um, you can get somebody to add the numbers for you if, if you can afford it, but you must understand what you're looking at um, because there isn't a business if there isn't any money in the business. Um, and I would say that's why most small businesses fail. Just And it's not complicated. It's not like A-level maths. Um, it's just sit down and have a look at it. And actually, it's really exciting when you sit down and look where you're making money. And when you know where you're not making money, it's actually really good because you can address it. Um, but don't put your head in the sand would be my first piece of advice. That is brilliant, Bridget. Ultimately, even if the business owner, the entrepreneur, the person with the vision is not the person handling the money, they need to be able to give oversight. 
That's one of the things I always tell when I am, whether in the classroom or consulting, when you don't have oversight, you're turning all the decisions over to somebody who has their hands in the numbers. Big corporations in the United States, Krispy Kreme was a massive donut company. Mm -hmm. It failed because the accountant just swindled the company. When you don't give oversight, you're allowing somebody to do whatever they want and you're giving you the key to the castle. You have to sit and review. You have to share strategy. You have to have dual control, right? You can't have somebody set up their brother-in-law as a vendor and then pay them every month. Who's doing the check and balances? Who's reconciling? Who's filing? So one of the things people forget, and I always say this tongue in cheek, even Al Capone went to jail for accounting irregularities, not keeping proper books, not for murder, not for all the other horrible things they did, right? Mm -hmm. We have a US president who is facing litigation and losing his business because of accounting irregularities and books not being managed right. What would you remind small business owners in terms of they probably are afraid to let anybody else in, how do you advise them on having the courage to letting somebody else in, even though it is their business? Well, I think that one of the very, very famous person in advertising um, who founded Ogilvy & Mather, it's a, it's a global advertising chain. David Ogilvy's advice to anybody was to always grow your business like a Russian doll. So you are the tiny, tiny little doll in the middle and you grow it with the experts you need around you. And not just for like financial people, but get people in who are experts in the things that you are not. Because I've seen it again. It's such a common habit um, of an of a entrepreneur. You want to do everything um, and you won't be good at everything. And if there are things that bore you, get somebody in, but always have that, that exactly as you said, always have that oversight. Um, and your business will grow faster if you have people who know what they are doing um, around you. Um, quite... It, it seems really strange as well to say that if someone's expertise isn't marketing, that they will not believe in growing a marketing policy. Because perhaps when you set off, um, your product just met the market that it was designed for head on and it sold straight away. So it is incredibly difficult then to persuade somebody that um, marketing plans are what's needed to grow because they don't think that that's what it is but clearly sales are the core of the business aren't they so i would just say sit yourself in the middle understand what your core strengths are understand what the business needs and to grow it efficiently and effectively have a look at the russian doll see see who's bigger and better that you can buy in. And you'd be surprised, um, a lot of really successful entrepreneurs, that's their philosophy. I mean, look at Richard Branson. He's famous for saying he 
he's dyslexic, so he can't look at the numbers. He can read the reports and he has the oversight. Uh, I don't think you get to where he is, do you, <laughs> without having oversight. Um, but get good people in is the secret, I think, of success. That I love the Russian doll analogy because you're surrounding yourself with people who are experts in other spaces and together then you build a bigger, stronger business, but you're also protected in the nucleus as that little door, right? So in so many different ways, it's giving you the visual of how to do this just right. When you are working with our entrepreneurs to help them, guide them through this process, where do you see the points of resistance? It is so often um, just accepting advice. I think there's so many pain points for, a, for an entrepreneur. A, you've probably invested all the money you have available to you in it. You've probably put your house on the line. Um, and that that can cloud judgment. Um, if if you can not use your own money, you will be far more objective <laughs> about how you spend it. So that that's a massive pain point that you get a lot of resistance on. Um, and sometimes you, you know, again, the old adage, you have to spend speculate to accumulate don't you um and the the other pain points are all well, actually it goes back to exactly what we were saying what they resist is what they don't know um and the, the further they go doing well uh, that's why sort of like 18 months in two years that's that's when it starts to be difficult because they haven't learned other skills along the way they've got there with their own enthusiasm the market was probably there. And so their resistance is to do anything different. Um, and change is um, going out of your comfort zone in a business sense as well as a personal sense is always where, where growth is. It's where the good stuff is, isn't it? Just on the other side. Um, so that's, that's how I try and work with people. And I would never suggest you try to change the world in a day, but just edging people through to the next bit um it's just confidence it's just boosting people's confidence and hopefully if they're speaking to somebody like me or looking for more information or more skills then they've got the right mindset they're aware that there's something different they they need to be doing um but but it's the same for all of us isn't it? it's resistance to change um but it's the same that if that works, it'll always work. Isn't isn't true? <laughs> always, you've got to look for to adapt and be agile. That lovely word. Absolutely, and doing the same thing and expecting a different result is the classic definition of insanity. Absolutely. And when we have invested so much in our own entrepreneurial endeavors, it doesn't make any sense not to try and change and transform. Now, some of the things that's coming up for me is men and women are gonna approach this very differently. And society also looks upon a male entrepreneur differently from a female entrepreneur. 
when I have engaged with local chambers of commerce to help entrepreneurs, even women themselves think of what they do as a hobby. Mm -hmm. They don't think of it as a business, whereas men go right into it thinking it's a business. What advice would you have for women not to play small, not to be diminutive in any sense of the word? I, I think that's an absolutely fabulous question because it, you do, it, both approaches are right. You know, we've both got a different set of toolkits, but women don't have the belief. And both women entrepreneurs do start with just a, a, a hobby, and that's not supposed to be patronizing, that's grown. You know, it's organically grown, probably. Uh, and my, the way I like to work with women is just to, help get them believe in themselves um they don't think that they're business people that's the very first thing you know like they might be turning over quite a considerable income and they still don't think that they're business women so i think it's it's not their skills necessarily it's more just getting them to to believe in themselves i they don't need to turn into men that's not the objective mm -hmm. uh, but um it's to to value yourself more um most of the time they're ticking off the boxes quite well and women are much more open to um to learn more they need their confidence built up first before they will go for it um so i if i had any advice it would be like just take something from the male toolbox just go for it just be a little bit more decisive and don't be afraid to put your head over the parapet and also women support women very well go out there and find networks that will build you up that is an excellent point women are naturally nurtured natured to nurture one another take that sisterhood that support system that collaborative uh, outlook in life that mindset and leverage that and ultimately, it's all about the mindset, isn't it? Mm -hmm. So believing, believing that you are running a business, that you are truly making an impact as a businesswoman. And once you start looking at a business, then you start putting all the numbers together. When you don't think of it as a business, then you don't come around to looking at the numbers. And that's where the real world collides. Yes, yes, definitely. There's a there's a um, very famous businesswoman in the UK called Trini Woodall. She's had a media career and what have you. And a couple of years ago, she launched her own uh, makeup and beauty brand. And when you hear her talking about it, you can tell it is her passion. But she talks about, um, I mean, the other side of what we're talking about is as a woman, with a very established career profile. Um, I think she even started off as an investment banker. So not a, a lightweight on any, any way at all. Um, she was with investors asking her, okay, if you did this, who's going to run the com company? <laughs> and it's like, that. that's the other side of it. That's why it's difficult as a woman sometimes because you're not always... You, you doubt yourself if the people you're talking to um, aren't 
seeing you as somebody credible. So I think that's the other side of it. You've, you've got to doubly believe in, in what you're doing uh, and just sit there confidently um, answering the questions till somebody says yes. That is such a fabulous insight. And I am a believer that when the world underestimates you, that is truly a secret weapon because they're not going to see you come. <laughs> they're not going to see you come. And sometimes there is value in letting everybody underestimate you as long as you don't buy into it, right? You don't buy into it. You keep your head high and you pursue what you need to pursue. And when everything falls into place, people are going to be shocked. And that's even better. So don't let the world define what you can and cannot do or what your abilities are. And in the on the flip side, men have a hard time asking for help. Mm. I always jokingly say we would never have colonized. We would never have come to the West and called it West Indies had the explorers, the men, stopped and asked for directions. They were only looking for India, right? <laughs> so this trend continues. Men don't like to ask for guidance, don't like to ask for direction, don't like to ask for help because somehow it diminishes their masculinity in their mindset. What advice would you have for male entrepreneurs? Well, absolutely that. Um, don't don't they take on the role that they have to know the answers it's exactly the opposite as you're saying to a woman who would be like be so interested in finding out everything they don't get on with it whereas men have that energy that drive you know I've worked with um male leaders and thought oh my gosh why why did I spend so much time laughing about when it, he's just got on with it you know and, and I think that is absolutely great skill but what I end up doing when I work with um, leaders like that is say can we just take a breath you know like let's have a look I think they're terrified of letting go of all the balls um, and they they are the least likely to delegate um, and as you grow I, th I think that's the main advice for a, a male leader is learn to delegate don't try and do everything. Um, and, and well, I suppose what I would say to anyone as well, do what you're good at and let other people do the other things. But you just have to gently um, let, let them trust the other people first. Uh, and then they usually buy into it because the company benefits. Fabulous advice. Fabulous tip. I would love to open this up for conversation with our audience. But before I do that, Bridget, how can folks who are interested in talking to you connect with you? I have a website called Turn Your Business Round, um, which has all the details of the courses and workshops and working with me one to one that they might want to do. Thank so you. Thank out. you so very much. Dr. Nandini Menon, I know you are waiting with your questions, so let's let's talk. Hi, uh, thank you, Bridget. This was a very um, uh, personal uh, piece for me because um, 
as uh, Dr. Kasturi knows, I'm in that uh, phase of what you called the fussing around. <laughs> you know, um, as a as a woman, you know, who's a physician, I'm trying to be agile after all the burnout and the pandemic, and I'm I'm in the process of trying to figure out where, what, how, and I feel like I have to find everything and figure out everything first and be an expert at everything before I um, take my next step. Um, so this was very insightful of uh, the whole conversation. Um, I did have a question for you that, that might be relevant to uh, Dr. Uh, Kasturi's audience. Um, I know you're based in, in England, you know, and you help <clears throat> entrepreneurs, you know, and people who are in a position maybe like me or further on in their uh, process. Um, is there a, a difference? Like, for, for example, I'm based in, in U.S., you know, and some of my colleagues and friends are based in, in Asia and Europe. Is there is there a difference, you know, of of business models and and laws and regulations that like for me to, to come to you versus finding somebody here? So international I, I think, versus local, you know, um, that's my first question. Uh, well, I would, sorry, I would just say to, to answer that, I think there's two different things there. Business models, I've yet to find business models that deviate that much globally. You know, they, they are pretty much, um, if, you, if you're operating in a capitalist system anyway, which we, we generally are, uh, business models, but legislation and law is definitely different um, per, by, by country. Um, like GDPR, the Data Protection Act, um, in this country now because of the internet um, spills over into America. So just a very simple thing like data capture, um, people's emails, any sort of information with the clients you are working with. Um, I have to be compliant with the US market as well as the UK market, but the UK sort of covers Europe. So there's new answers depending on which bit that you're you're looking at. Um, but, so in other words, what, what you're saying is that uh, for that initial planning stage and figuring out what you want to do and how you want to do it, it doesn't really matter where you are and where you're, the person you're going to uh, is. But later on, you would be able to guide the person to choose the right next next layer for the doll, I guess. Would yes. be so one, yes. one of the caveats I would add there uh -huh. is setting up the accounting and finance and the tax structure is local, right? right? So you yes. can get your business coaching and business model and identifying the target market and the business plan can come from anywhere. But understanding the culture and the target market and actually going into market is local. Okay. And understanding mm -hmm. and setting up the accounting, finance, and the tax structure, and knowing where to incorporate. You can be a U.S. company incorporated in Chicago, in California, or Delaware. But if you're in California, you cannot put a non-compete on an employee. Because if you have a CFO and they want more money, they can go and be a CFO in your competition's business too. You can't stop that. 
So the laws are even different for different states. You need to have the right person to guide you. And normally it's the organizational legal structure where you're incorporated, the STRAC structure, the accounting structure, the accounting methodology, because U.S. has U.S. GAAP. The rest of the world doesn't have U.S. GAAP. The rest of the world has IFRS. So because U.S. chooses to be different, we need to make sure people who are setting up business here totally are setting it up in compliance with the U.S. uniqueness. Okay. So somebody um, in your audience from Asia and Europe, it doesn't matter as much as for somebody in your audience living and, and planning to work in the U.S.? Every country will have their own accounting rules. Okay. Yes. Their own tax yeah. rules. That's not oh, going to yes. change. Okay. Yes. So my next question, thank you for that. That was very uh, uh, informative. Yeah. And, and helpful, I think. Uh, the second question I had is, um, you know, I noticed, you know, after I've started uh, doing all of this, and I'm pretty sure a lot of other people, you know, how they say Facebook and Instagram and all these things are hearing you all the time and Amazon and suddenly you get all these emails and little uh, videos, you know, in your feed, you know, and so you're getting a lot of information, you know, little snippets and advertisements now, you know, for somebody who's like looking at what we want to do and things and so many faces, so many messages come to you about what their expert is and what their expertise and what they can do for your business that's growing and X, Y, and Z. Um, and for someone, you know, who's sitting in their, um, in their couch or on their table thinking about their next venture and going, you know, click, 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 um, who doesn't have the resources like I have, Dr. Kass, and I'm meeting so many other people that, that, we have a level or a thread, you know, of, of mm. potential trust, you know, and I guess that's my question. Um, what advice would you give someone sitting on their couch to be able to trust the person on that screen and, and go with a gut, okay, this person is whom uh, I want to work with for, for this thing or that and the other like do you have any insight as to as to what question maybe three questions or something that they should ask or feel or look for in that person that they're going to go for advice i i would say forget that it's online forget the environment that they're bombarding you with take a step back understand what it is that you actually want in the first place because then that helps you narrow down what what you're actually looking at um, because not everyone will have everything um, so in your mind be clear what the support is and the information and actually how much you want to pay for it as well because that's that's a massive um difference between what kind of help you can get um, so if you know what you want that's a much better place to start with then you can start filtering out what what you're looking at um so like not nobody is going to give you all the information so if it's marketing you know look for marketing people but look at the it's always for me it's like 
ask first, ask people who have done or something similar to what you want to do. Um, find out when you see people. It always, for me, it's about, well, it's not word of mouth, is it, when it's online, but testimonials. If they have good testimonials up there, go and find that, you know, online you can find the person who gave the testimonial so you can get them to vouch for it. Um, they should have the companies they've worked with on there. Ask, ask them. Kind of, I think what I'm saying is forget that you're looking at all this on an online environment because it's really busy and go through the process as you would anyway. Um, and yeah, you know, good feeling at the end of the day, sometimes some people you don't want to work with and, and some you do. Um, and you can be selective in, in the same way, but be always be clear what you want from it in the first place. I hope that answers the question. Yeah, no, it does. Um, I guess the first step is basically being self-aware and managing your own and figuring out what you want so that you can't be swayed <laughs> and moved um, yes. in the core. I mean, I get that you have to be agile and, and be able to, to, to change certain things, but your core belief and your core um, needs or purpose yes. should be solid. And if you are clear about what you want to do, you will be amazed what you can actually do yourself. You know, like, you know, what you need to find out what the biggest gaps are first and fill those in your knowledge and your learning. Um, but I'm, I'm pretty sure that if you're clear you want to do something entrepreneurial or something for yourself, that you will have more answers than you think. You just need to set them down and see. Thank you. I hope that helps. Oh, it did. Thank you. That was very helpful. Excellent. Did we lose Doc Casturi? Uh, yes, I think so. I can see her oh. talking. But... Oh, there we go. <laughs> Sometimes it's important to put pen to paper too. Don't yes. just think it, because when you're thinking, your mind can morph it and change it slowly, slowly, slowly. Mm -hmm. Write down, and if possible, diagram it. Because better than words, put a picture. Because Love then you can tell the story with the picture. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the vision board, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Whether cool. it's a vision board or different people capture the visual differently, right? So whatever mm -hmm. works for you, capture it in visual, in logic, in structure. And then you can see which dolls you can do and which dolls you need to bring in. I love Bridget's theme of the nesting Russian dolls, right? Yeah. So what is going to be your doll collection? Who are the dolls that are going to come in? Cool. In this uh, age of Barbie, that's a... <laughs> Great analogy. Which Barbie do you need? The doctor Barbie, the, the lawyer Barbie, the finance Barbie. The... As long as she's in pink, it'll be fine. Exactly. <laughs> this is a fabulous conversation. I hate to bring it to a close, but this has been amazing, Bridget. I know you have given food for thought and nuggets of wisdom for our audience. And we cannot wait for you 
to be a part of our Goldilocks community and bring your wisdom and insight from time to time. And as we bring this to a close, I really want to reiterate Bridget's message. You are the nucleus, the little doll inside the Russian investing doll. Protect yourself, preserve yourself, and surround yourself with all the nesting dolls that you need with the skills, expertise, and insight to reinforce and strengthen your purpose, your entrepreneurial endeavor, your business, so that you can take your journey, your dream, your vision, and be supported in the process so that together, collaboratively, you can co-create your success. 